I must say it feels a little funny hearing that reading and then climbing up into a pulpit wearing robes and a stole in order to preach. But let us pause. Let us turn to God in prayer and ask God to interpret this word for us. Let us pray. O Lord our God, when we read the Bible, you open your hallowed lips and speak to us. May your spirit be at work in our hearts that we might joyfully receive your teachings and through the grace of Jesus find our lives transformed. We pray that these words of mine might be caught up by your Holy Spirit and transformed into something that nourishes your people. In the name of Christ, amen. Before lockdown, during one of the services, I was obviously preaching a really interesting sermon because there was a child sitting under that communion table over there using the old hymn numbers, the cards with the old hymn numbers on it, and they built the most amazing house of cards under the table that you've seen. It was about this big and quite high. And I didn't think anything of it until months later when we returned from lockdown and I walked in and I was looking around the church and the house of cards was still standing under that communion table. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? The building looked impressive, but we know that a house of cards doesn't have a strong foundation. We know that it doesn't have great structural integrity, but apparently, if it's undisturbed, it can remain standing for quite some time. And in many ways, it seems as though the scribes and the Pharisees had built themselves a house of cards. Their understanding and way of living out the faith was like a house of cards. They took the teachings of the law. They took time carefully dissecting them, understanding them, teaching others about them. They were careful and diligent, just like a child building a card house is. And what they put together was nothing short of impressive. And Jesus acknowledges this as he speaks. He gives the scribes and the Pharisees their due. He, he gives them their due. He says, they teach the law of Moses. We need to remember that these scribes and Pharisees are not bad people. They're people who desired to see God's kingdom come and who were trying to be faithful to God's teaching. Jesus is saying that we need to keep listening to the law of Moses. We mustn't hear Jesus rejecting the law because he says throughout Matthew that not a letter or a stroke of a pen will pass from the law. Instead, Jesus is criticizing them because their way of life wasn't consistent with what they were teaching. He's criticizing them because what they are teaching doesn't have good foundations. It might be okay whilst it's undisturbed, but when it gets put to the test and when God's word confronts it, it comes crashing down. And what Jesus is doing as he speaks, what the word of God does to all of us whenever we listen, 
is beginning to put it to the test. Like an engineer, Jesus is walking round the structure, pointing out the structural deficiencies, the weaknesses and the dangers in what they have built. Jesus' words put the scribes and the Pharisees to the test. And Jesus spoke these words as a Jewish man speaking to another group of Jewish people. And by the Spirit, these words are also addressed to us. They're addressed to a community of God's people who take the Bible seriously, who are seeking to build something sustainably, seeking to live lives of faith, and seeking the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven. By the Spirit, we can hear the same questions and the same challenges spoken to the people of God so long ago and hear the same invitation to live our life as Jesus calls us. As Jesus questions the Pharisees and the scribes, he identifies three weaknesses in their house of cards, three dangers in their way of doing things, three ways in which it could all come tumbling down. We've already noted the inconsistency. In verse 3, Jesus says, Do what they tell you. Don't do what they do. Only do what they tell you. Jesus is accusing them of being hypocritical. They claim to be following the ways of God, but refuse to take that burden on themselves. In the Pharisees' teaching, there was a move to apply all of the teachings of the law and all of the holiness regulations that the priests had to go through before offering a sacrifice at the temple. There was a move to take all of those rules and all of those regulations and apply them in every single area of life. It quickly descended into piles and piles and piles of rules. It quickly becomes moral nitpicking to make sure that everyone is doing the right thing. And it becomes altogether unsustainable. We know that this is the main criticism that we have of the Pharisees. But I wonder how quickly Christians fall into the same trap. Despite hearing of the good news of Jesus and the free gifts of grace and being told we don't have to earn our salvation, how often does our faith end up portrayed as living in one particular way, following one set of rules around alcohol consumption, around the way we speak, around sexual behaviour, around the way we speak and spend time with one another. All too often, if we end up with a rules-based understanding of faith and one of these rules gets broken, how quickly does the rest of it come tumbling down? Jesus is calling for a faith, calling for a way of life that is more than just rules, something that has more structural integrity, something that has more to it than following commandments. This is the first criticism or warning that he makes about the way the Pharisees are going about life and faith. And as he moves into the second criticism, it flows on from the first one. He says that the Pharisees are more interested in appearances 
He questions the fringes or the tassels that were worn on the cloaks as a sign of faithfulness. And also Jewish people in those days would carry small containers called phylacteries, or our reading today translated it as straps. And in these containers or on these straps would be written passages of Scripture. And people would wear them proudly. And Jesus says that these tassels and these straps, these things that carry the Scriptures around, have become more about perception. They've become a fashion statement rather than anything to do with righteousness. But remember these Pharisees have set themselves up as teachers of the law. They've set themselves up as experts. They need to appear to be doing the right thing. If we have a rules-based faith and we talk all the time about following rules, then it's really important to appear as though we are, in fact, following those rules. Christians do the same thing. We do it when we behave differently on a Sunday at church than we did on a Saturday night, or when we proudly carry our Bibles or wear a big bright bumper sticker that says, Jesus loves me, and then toot the horn aggressively at people when we're driving down the road. Sometimes we can appear as though we're being godly, but that appearance doesn't always match what's going on in the heart. And the final criticism is also linked to this. Jesus says that the Pharisees and the scribes think of themselves as being better than everyone else. They elevated themselves above everyone else, and they lived in their community with a sense of entitlement. How often does the church and the leaders and the people in the church fall into this same trap? Do we end up thinking of ourselves as more than we ought? Do we end up believing that because we're the church, we have a right to be heard? Do we think that because we're a church, everyone should help us out for free? Do we end up with an attitude of moral superiority or intellectual or spiritual superiority towards others? Jesus' words to us in Matthew 23 are not gentle words. They're not at all delicate. He's not tiptoeing around a house of cards so that he doesn't upset anyone. Instead, he's stomping next to the house of cards and his word causes all of the efforts, all of the efforts of the Pharisees and all of our own efforts to come tumbling down. There's no doubting that these are challenging words. They confront us and call us to live a life that is consistent with God's teaching. And living a life of faith is difficult. We might have grand plans and the best intentions, but it's very easy to fall into a rules-based understanding of faith, to put a lot of effort into convincing ourselves and others that we're following these rules, and then to end up with a sense of injustice or a sense of entitlement. We can be a bit like cards or builders with cards on our own. We're not able to build something that lasts or that endures forever. If we are to build or if we are to be built into something that endures more than a house of cards, then we need something stronger to hold us together. When I 
was a kid, I used to love making card houses. I wasn't allowed to do it at church, but I used to love doing it at home. And we used to start, we used to use old cards that were bent and pipped in the corners, and we started with basic houses, just a few triangles in a row with some cards laid on top and then a few more, and you might get it about three, three triangles high. And then a sibling would walk into the room, stomp their feet, and it would come tumbling down. But as we grew older, we grew more skilled. We made more and more elaborate card houses, and we began to build in a different way. Every time a card house collapsed, it taught us something, and it showed us how we could build it in a different way. We began to make foundations out of matchsticks and ice cream sticks. We ended up layering the cards in such a way that we could create tunnels for marbles to slide down and things that toys could sit on. We took the cards and we made new things with them, formed new toys and new possibilities. But obviously, as you all know, the cards themselves weren't enough. The simple techniques weren't adequate. We used glue to hold them together. We used different things to support them, and we were guided by a bigger vision. As Jesus delivers this teaching today that we've heard, it's immediately after announcing that the greatest of all the commandments is that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. These two commandments are the pegs from which all the other parts of the Christian life are suspended. Remember Paul tells us in Corinthians that we can do many things and say wonderful, great things, but without love, we are a resounding gong. Paul reminds us in Ephesians 2 that God's people are being built together as a spiritual dwelling place, being made one in Christ together. But before he said this to us, Paul said and recognises that our own efforts come to naught, that we are broken and can't do it by ourselves. And when we try, we end up with something that resembles a house of cards. But, says Paul, God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, saves us, raises us up, and makes us anew. We are more than a simple card. We are what he has made us, created in Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Friends, we are a bit like cards, but that's not all we are. A church built on our own efforts and our own strength will never endure. A life of faith that's about how hard we work will always come to a sticky and a sad end. But a community of people who base their faith on loving God and loving one another becomes something else. We're called to turn from our own efforts at a rules-based faith 
called to leave behind hypocritical attempts to appear to be doing the right thing and instead receive the gift, receive the grace that is given to us in Jesus Christ. If we do this, if we allow this love to flow through us, it binds us together. It creates us into something new. It builds us into so much more than we could be alone. Our lives of faith and our life as a church community can foster spaces for creativity. It can be a place of loving kindness and respect. It can be a place where all people are learning to walk in the ways of Jesus. A place where justice and mercy blossom as we are joined together, glued together, held together and built together by the love of our God. Amen. Let us sing together.